Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're in a series entitled Starting from Scratch. We're beginning the new year. And going from an old year to a new year, being a transition, it's a time when we think about uh, starting over. We talk about and think about new beginnings. We think about uh, the benefits of transitions, which we talked about in uh, in the first message. Last week we talked about harnessing what you have. We have access with God. We have access to people who have access to God. We have access to gifts that God gives us. And the most important thing is that God has access to us. And so we ended last week with the question, does God have access to you? This morning, we're going to look at what I believe is an essential for having an effective year. An essential from, for, for being able to start from scratch. And that essential is the, the essential of visioning. So the title of this message today is The Necessity of Visioning. Uh, I read somewhere where a fellow by the name of Winfred Newman said this. He says, vision, vision is the world's most desperate need. There are no hopeless situations, he said. There are only people who think hopelessly. Vision is the world's most desperate need. Let me just stop right here and ask you a question. Do you know where you're headed in your life? Do you you have the ability to think in your mind of where you will be five years from today? Ten years from today? What do you want to be when you grow up? Where are you headed? Do you have a vision of where you're headed? You see, people who have no idea where they're headed, how can they have any current direction in life at all? There must be some idea of I'm looking down down the road several miles, a good piece with a telescope, and I have a good picture, a fairly good picture of where I want to be headed, where where I believe God is is leading me to go in my life. If you and I can't answer that, at least with some sense of detail, then we don't even know which fork to take in the road we're at right now. Where are you headed? Almost 400 years ago, there was a shipload of travelers who landed on the northeast coast of America The first year that they were here, they established a town site. The next year, they elected a town government. The third year they were here, the town government planned to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. Five miles westward. The fourth year, the people tried to impeach their town government Because they thought it was a waste of public funds to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. Who needed to go there anyway? 
This is a true story. If you think about it, here you have people who had the vision to cross the ocean 3,000 miles, overcome great hardships to get to the new land. They had the vision to establish a town, establish a government. But once they got to that town, they lost their vision. They lost a vision to go just five miles further. They lost it. I want you to see that it is a tragedy to lose your vision. It is a tragedy to lose the ability to to be a visioneer. There is a necessity if you want to progress in your life, if you want to be what God is leading you to be, if you want to be what you believe you are meant to be, then visioning is a necessity. The necessity of visioning. Now Hebrews chapter 11 is is the chapter, a long chapter that we call the Hall of Fame of Faith. Because in this chapter, the writer of Hebrews uh, gives an outline of all Uh, are almost all the great heroes of Old Testament faith. And what I want you to see is, not only is this a hall of fame of faith, but this is a hall of fame of folks who dared to vision. They dared to picture where God was taking them. They didn't always have Uh, a fully specific picture. They didn't have all the details in line, but they had enough of a picture that it it moved them forward. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. And, And for this passage, I'm reading from the New King James Version. I just like the way it reads better. From the New King James Version says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, 
Lord, give us the ability to see. Give us, Lord, a vision of where you would have us to go as as individual persons. We're told in your word that you have a plan for our life, and therefore, Lord, there is an end, an end result to every period, to every transition in our lives. Lord, lead us to that place that you've selected. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see your vision for us as families. Lord, help us to see your end result for our families. Lord, help us to see your vision for our church. God, give us vision and then give us the faith to believe the vision and to to, Lord, give us the courage to act on that vision. Lord, remind us that we can't eat the whole elephant in one sitting. Lord, we must move, progress toward that, that vision, that end goal, bit by bit, here a little, there a little. But Lord, help us to persevere. Help us not to give up. Help us, Lord... To, uh, to live every breath we have pursuing the goal that you have laid out for our lives. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oliver Wendell, Wendell Holmes said this. He says, people can be divided into two classes. Those who go ahead and do something and those who sit still and inquire, why wasn't it done the other way? It all depends upon what your vision is. It all depends upon what you're able to see. It all depends upon where you believe God is directing you in your life. And you see, one of the things that we have to do, I think, we have to as best we can, we have to remove the clutter that is from our lives that distracts us from literally seeing where God is leading us. I believe in our day, we have become so distracted by the clutter that we cannot see where God is leading us. It's kind of like one of those Where's Waldo books. You ever seen one of those? If you've seen the Waldo books, raise your hand. Have you seen them? Uh, I must tell you, Waldo books drive me crazy. I don't like them. It takes me forever to find Waldo. My ideal version of a Waldo book is, is a book where I open it up and the only thing on the page is Waldo. I can find him quickly. Our lives, though, are so much like the real Waldo pages. We're so full of all kinds of clutter that it takes us forever to literally see Waldo. And there needs to be a removal of the clutter so that we can focus in on the vision that God is leading us to take. So here you have the first settlers to America. They had a vision to cross an ocean. They had a vision to establish a town. But in a few short years, they could not come together to expand their horizons by five measly miles. There were obstacles 
And the same obstacles that confronted those early settlers also can be the same ones that are in the boardroom or the classroom or in your job site or in your family or in a church or in your own personal life. And so there is the necessity for visioning, for picturing something and then making that something come to pass. Looking at a blank board and thinking of what of, of the possibilities that could be on that board and then putting those possibilities into reality. That is what God is calling us to do as individuals, as families, as a church. He's calling you to make into reality a vision that He has had for you from all eternity. What is visioning? Visioning is the development of a plan, a goal, a picture for the future, a mental process in which images of a desired future, a desired goal, are made real and so real that they compel us to act in constructive ways to accomplish the image, the vision that is before us. Let me give you some examples of some vision statements that people have had throughout uh, American history. All right? Here's one. Quote, when I'm through with this, everybody will have one. Anybody know who said that? Henry Ford. Very good. When I'm through, everybody will have one. His vision was to democratize automobile ownership, to make it possible for virtually everyone to have an automobile. That was his vision. Here's one, quote, I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. Who said that? John F. Kennedy, May the 25th, 1961. And before the end of that decade, that vision became a reality. In fact, on July the 20th, 1969, it became a reality. Here's another one. I want something to go on here that will change the world, and I want this company to be the epicenter of it. Who said that? Steve Jobs. I want something going on here that will change the world, and I want this company to be the epicenter of it. Did he accomplish the goal? Well, I believe he did. It was his vision. 25 years ago, that was his vision in a garage of all places. And now today, even after his death, even before he died, he had accomplished that vision. Here's another one. Quote, quality, hard work, commitment. The stuff America is made of. Our goal is to be the best. What else is there? If you can find a better car, buy it. Who said that? Lee Iacocca. Remember those commercials back in the, what was it, the 80s when he took over Chrysler and he brought it from the brink of bankruptcy to solvency and of course it's had worse times, worse times since then but at that particular point he revived a company that was considered by most people to be virtually dead. He accomplished a vision. Here's another one. Quote, 2,000 stores by the year 2000. Who said that? Howard Schultz, 
the owner of Starbucks. 2,000 stores by the year 2000. He accomplished that, by the way. Here's another one. I'll give you two more. Quote, to strengthen the social fabric by continually democratizing home ownership. In other words, to make it uh, easier for people to own a home. That was the vision statement of the Federal National Mortgage Association, better known as Fannie Mae. Uh, they might not have achieved that goal. And here's a final one. Quote, to defend the United States through the control and exploitation of air and space. The United States Air Force. Now, what is your vision? What is the goal to which God is moving you? Where are you headed in your life. You see, when it comes to vision, what works for companies and works for nations and works for militaries also works for people. And so we think about, when we think about starting from scratch, there is the necessity of visioning. If you don't have at least some semblance of a vision, my friend, you are sitting idle or else you are going somewhere you don't even know where you're going. It's essential to have some picture of where you are headed. Visioning is essential. Now, why is that? Let me give you some reasons. First of all, visioning gets you moving because it gives you something to look forward to. Visioning will get you up in the morning. Visioning will keep you putting one foot in front of the other. Bill Hybels, the pastor of Willow Creek Community Church in uh, uh, just outside of Chicago, and a, a writer of, of a lot of books, including some books on leadership, said this. He says, vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. It is a picture of the future. Now, there are a lot of people and a lot of companies and a lot of institutions who have visions for the future that produce absolutely no passion. People look at it and they say, oh, okay, you know, that's not a vision. A vision is a picture that people look at, and when they look at it, it produces motivation, it produces compulsion, it, it, it produces a passion for moving toward the picture and making it a reality. Abraham's living out there in Mesopotamia, Ur of the Chaldees, what is today known as uh, the area of Iraq and Iran, his family is worshiping multiple gods. They're all uh, pagan gods. And God pulls Abraham up. He says, Abraham, I want you to get up away from your kinfolk, away from your country. And I want you to go to a place that I will show you. And Abraham got up and he went. God had given him a very meager vision of where he wanted him to be and Abraham got up and he went and he kept going he kept going for between seven and eight hundred miles on either foot or camel or whatever animal it was that they were riding on at the time and what was it that kept him going what was it because he, he kept going, he kept getting up in the morning, he kept putting one foot in front of the other until God said, Abraham, you are here. Vision 
gets you moving. Because it gets you, it gives you something to look forward to. Second, reinvented vision keeps you from complacency. You see, there's a problem, and this problem was inherent in, our fir- in the first settlers to our country almost 400 years ago. They, they had a vision to go 3,000 miles across the ocean. They had a vision once they got here to brave the weather. They had a vision once they got here that even though half of their settlement died, they still were intent on persevering. They had a vision of building a town and setting up a government. But once they had established, once they had accomplished that original vision, They never renewed it. They never reinvented it. They never revisited it. You see, once you have a vision for your personal life, that vision must be revisited from time to time. If you don't revisit it, it will become stale like old molded bread that you don't want to touch anymore. And you and I will become complacent. Our first settlers became complacent. What started out as a vision that moved them passionately across 3,000 miles of ferocious ocean could not move them five miles through hardwood. Because they failed to reinvent the vision. They failed to renew the vision. Now the, the solution to a complacent vision, to a vision that fades away, is for us to revisit it, to rethink it. And what that means is that if you have a vision and then you accomplish all or a good portion of that vision, it doesn't mean that you're through with life. I mean, think of the Apostle Paul. Of all the people next to Jesus in the New Testament, bar none, probably if if you were to ask most Christians who who is the closest person to God next to the Lord Jesus himself, who was God, in the New Testament, you're probably going to think of the Apostle Paul. And yet in Philippians, the Apostle Paul said this. He says, he says, uh, I, I, I do not consider myself as having accomplished the goal yet. And this is the Apostle Paul. How could he feel that way? Uh, he, feel, he felt that way because from time to time he would continue to renew the vision, to revisit the vision. For the first part of his uh, uh, missionary journeys, he was in the uh, headquarters of Antioch, which was in uh, what is now Syria, in the northern part of the Holy Land. But there came a day after he had gone through three missionary journeys when he said, look, I've done pretty much all I can do here from Antioch. I need to move my headquarters to Rome. And so when he wrote the letter to the Roman church, the main purpose of that letter was to introduce himself to them, for he did not know them. So that they might allow him to use their church as a launching pad for a further missionary ministry to the West. But in order to do that, Paul never, he never became satisfied with his vision. He was always revisiting it, always modifying it, always adjusting it. Reinvented vision keeps you from complacency. Number three, vision lets you know when you've accomplished your goals. I guess uh, some of you for this year may have made New Year's resolutions. Some people 
give up on New Year's resolutions because they know they last till about February the 3rd or something like that. But let's say you had uh, a resolution. Let's say you wanted to read more. And let's say that on January the 1st, even though you'd never done this before in your life, you made a resolution. You're going to read 40 books this year. That's your resolution. For you, that would be a vision for the calendar year 2012. What that means is that by the time uh, the clock strikes 12 midnight on December 31st, 2012, you want to have read 40 books. Let's just say that was your goal. Well, how do you know if you made it? That's easy, man, right? I mean, if you're a legalist about it, you're going to count those books. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to mark them off. And some folks do that. Some people have to do that. But what you do, you set that goal. And, and when, you sit, when you set that goal, and it has to be specific, it has to be concrete, it has to be measurable, and it has to be realistic. You set a goal of reading 5,000 books by the end of the year, guess what? You ain't going to make it. It has to be realistic. 40 may, may be unrealistic for some folks. Maybe it's more like 10. I will tell you, if you read 10 books a year, you've read more than the average American does in a year. And if you read the right books, it will, it will lead to, in some cases, the equivalent of a good year of college education. If you really read those books carefully and you pick out the right books and, and you just digest them without just kind of trying to breeze through them without getting anything. But what I'm saying here is if you set a specific, measurable, and realistic goal, when you reach that goal, that vision, it enables you to know when you've accomplished something. Listen, I don't know of anybody who doesn't want to accomplish something concrete in his or her life. Everybody does. For one thing, it makes you feel good. You know that you accomplished something. You're not doing it to try to win the uh, the boasting of other people or the, the praise of other people. You're doing it because you want to know that you were able to accomplish something. And that God in you was able to do that. Vision lets you know when you've accomplished goals. And then finally, vision motivates you to do what you otherwise would not, and in some cases, could not do. Vision motivates you to do what you otherwise would not or could not do. I love Hebrews chapter 11, especially I like the latter verses where they stop naming names of people, but the circumstances do not become lighter. They become uh, more dangerous. Chapter 11, verse 32, For the time would fail me to tell of Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quick, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the enemies, the armies of the aliens, women who received their dead raised to life again. Do you know what he's describing there? He's describing events that could not have happened. Under ordinary circumstances. 
What you had here were people who had a clear vision of where they were going and they would die before they stopped trying to accomplish that vision. But they knew they couldn't do it on their own. They knew it would take the grace and the power of God working through them. But they had faith that God would work through them and he did work through them. I used to love to listen to Paul Harvey. One day, Paul Harvey told a story about Ray Blankenship. It was a summer morning. Ray Blankenship was preparing his breakfast. He looked out his window, and there was a small girl being swept along in a rain-flooded drainage ditch beside his Andover, Ohio home. Now, Ray Blankenship knew that farther downstream, the ditch disappeared underneath a road. And then it emptied into a culvert. And he knew that unless somebody rescued the girl, she would drown and she would die. And so he dashed out of his door and he raced along the ditch and he was trying to get ahead of the floundering child and then he hurled himself into the deep churning water where the girl was being carried away by the flood. He was able to grab the child's arm. They tumbled end over end and within about three feet of the culvert, Ray was able to free up the child and catapult her over to the bank beside the rushing waters. And he held her there, fighting the floods himself until someone saw them and called for help, and they were both rescued. Now you say, well, that's just a natural thing somebody's going to do. Yeah, but what made it more incredible for Ray Blankenship was Ray Blankenship couldn't swim. And under normal circumstances, wouldn't even go near calm water, let alone rushing water. But at a sudden moment, He saw a girl in trouble, and in his mind, the vision was rescuing that girl. And that vision, and that urgency, propelled him to move into action and save that girl, even though it was something he would not have done ordinarily, nor could he have done ordinarily. Somebody has said that vision is the ability to see, the willingness to believe, and the courage to do. Now, digest that for a moment. Vision is the ability to see, the willingness to believe, and the courage to do, or the courage to act. When you read through Hebrews 11 and you read through history, the history that includes the biographies of great, great people. What you see are people who had a vision to do something by God's help. 
and they persevered until they accomplished that vision. But it started with a telescopic vision of where they were headed. And once they had that vision, they went step by step, bite by bite, here a little, there a little, point by point, until they accomplished the vision that they believed they had been given. So I ask you again, do you have a picture of where you are going? Now, many of you in your mind, you just said, yeah, I think I do. I think I do know where I'm headed. There are others who said in your mind, you said, "Mm, boy, I wish I had one. I don't have one. Well, get the drawing. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, you teach us that you do have a great plan for our lives. In your mind, the drawing is done. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to see your vision for our lives. Help us to see it and then help us step by step to accomplish your vision. Lord, help us to see the necessity of visioning. Lord, give us clarity. Help us to see clearly your vision and help us not to confuse what we want with what you want. Instead, Lord, I pray that you would bring our desires in line with yours. Lord, I pray for anyone here who has never invited you to be their Savior and their Lord. I pray, Lord, that when we stand up to sing, somebody will move here to the front and say, I I need to accept Jesus as my Savior. Lord, I pray that when we stand up to sing, someone will come forward and say, I've been saved. I have Jesus as my Savior, but I need to join this church. Lord, I pray that this altar would be filled with people who are saying, Lord, give me a vision. Lord, I pray that this altar would be full of people who said, Lord, you've given me a vision to help me to have the willingness to believe it and the courage to act on it. God, help us to do something with this thing called vision. This morning, in Jesus' name, amen.